You're listening to Family Life at Cornerstone. A weekly devotion about what is going on in the life of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. I'm Justin Wheeler. I'm the preaching pastor for Cornerstone. And today, I'm joined by Cody Hickman again. Cody, how you doing? Good. Good. All right, so what are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about... um, God and justice. God and justice. So we're in still studying through the book by Jerry Bridges, The Gospel for Real Life, how we as Christians turn to the liberating power of the cross every day. It's an excellent book, and the, the main goal of the book is to help us understand the depth of the gospel and how it applies to our lives on a regular basis as Christians. And today we're talking about justice. Justice Satisfied is the title of chapter 4. Now, how big of a deal is it, just in our own hearts and in our lives, how big of a deal is justice to us? Oh, I think it's a huge deal to us. Um, I don't think if we really quite understand that, if we're not self-reflective enough to understand it. Um, Just think about the way we feel every time we watch the, the nightly news. And we see all these things happening. We see the wickedness of our society. And we see even how the wickedness of our society, at least to a greater or lesser extent, or even accurately or inaccurately, um, is is not being dealt with quite up to what our heart would desire it to be. And it stirs kind of an indignation in us. And there's got to be probably a a greater explanation for that somewhere. Sure, I think so. But I think you're absolutely right. I mean, just think about the last couple of months. Uh, think about the last couple of weeks. I mean, just just a week ago, it seems like just a week ago, you know, there's a, another school shooting, which yeah. I don't even remember when the first one was, you know, back back in the what, late 90s, early 2000s in Columbine and what was taking place there. And, and the, the, the first feeling we get when we hear the news that some other young man has walked into a school and taking the lives of innocent people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's this cry for justice in our hearts. I mean, they're shocked to begin with that this is even happening in our country and in our culture. There's fear about how this might affect us. and But then once we, we get to a point where we understand a little bit more of the details, one of the first things we want is we want justice. We want the individual mm-hmm. who's carried out this evil and atrocious thing, we want them to... to suffer the full weight yeah. of the law. And I don't think that's just because we're Christians. I mean, just because we're Americans. I don't think that uh, the fact that we live in a, in a culture where the rule of law it reigns, right, where uh, we, we have this cry and this longing for justice to be done, and we have an expectation of that. I don't think it's just an American phenomenon. I think there's something deep in our hearts that longs for that kind of justice. Yeah. Uh, and the Bible is going to say that because we're created in the image of God, uh, that's why we, we cry out for justice, because God is a just God. And He has established laws, He's communicated laws to us from His Word, and He's even written these things on our hearts. And so, in one sense, we see this cultural outcry of, uh, of the longing for and the want for justice. But then, we as Christians, we need to get to that point where we under, understand what's where that impulse uh, comes from. And it comes from what God has done in us in creating us in His very image. 
But that, that brings us to another question, right? It, okay, so we have this understanding and appreciation for justice, and we want justice to be done in this world. But if we realize that justice is a divine thing, then we have to look at it from another perspective. What about justice for us? And that's where I think this whole conversation about justice can become problematic. Now, why do I say that? Do you have any idea as to why I might say this becomes a problem for us? Maybe the the big uh, ugly elephant in the room is the fact that we are thoroughly sinful and are very much um, unjust in our nature, in our general nature, and our general posture toward everything around us. Right. Just in the way that sin has thoroughly tainted us and thus it has thoroughly, thoroughly tainted our culture and the way we interact with one another. And, and if the God who created us is the, the, the immaculate picture of justice and he's implanted that on our hearts, then, and we're sinful beings, then we have to understand at some level that we have to answer to his justice. Mm-hmm. And that creates a problem. Now, we all want justice for other people, but in that instance, we don't want justice for ourselves. We want something else. We want mercy. And we do know that God is a God of mercy. We, we also know that God is a God of justice. Um, and that's one of the things that Jerry Bridges wants to bring out here. He, he starts this chapter by, by the same way we did, just talking about that instinct, that impulse we have for justice. And then he makes the transition uh, by saying, okay, now let us consider justice in light of our relationship to the God of the Bible. The Bible tells us that God is a just God. The Bible tells us that God is a merciful God. But the Bible also tells us that God does not exalt his mercy at the expense of his justice. Mm -hmm. And that's important for us to understand. We all want mercy rather than justice, especially when we're in the wrong. But God doesn't do that. God doesn't give us mercy at the expense of justice. So Jerry points out a couple of things in here. Uh, and I don't know if you knew this, but Jerry and I were on a first-name basis. Um, he, he points out here that God's justice is both certain and inflexible. God's justice is certain in that God is just. He will pay back. He will punish those who do not know God. And that comes straight out of 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 6 and 8. Um, in, in Romans, we see the same thing. The, the idea of the justice of God being poured out as being part of his divine decree, part of his divine purpose and plan. He is the avenger. He is the one who is going to pour out justice. It is certain to take place. But not only is God's justice certain, what is the next thing he says? God's justice is inflexible. Now, now what does that mean uh, exactly? What does it mean that God's justice is inflexible? Simply that, that God's justice is non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. It means that it's certain, it's going to happen, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Right. And that it means that everybody, in some form or fashion, um, and particularly and ultimately in the next life, is going to receive the just and due reward for everything that they have done. Um, and they are going to, well, I'm going to say this is the difference between God's justice and our own, ju- own justice, they're going to receive exactly the due for what they have done. Yeah, you reap what you sow. God is going to punish according to what one deserves, exactly what one deserves. Uh, He's not going to bend the rules in your case. Uh, God's justice always prevails. 
Uh, Jerry Bridges goes on and says, God's justice must be satisfied. Otherwise, his moral government would be undermined. Okay, so now where does that put us? We know the Bible makes clear that we are in opposition to God. We are opposed to God. We have rejected him and we are sinning against him. We've transgressed his law. We have broken the law. We are unjust, wicked people. God's justice is certain. God's justice is inflexible. There is not going to be leeway given to us. So what must we do? Period. I mean, what what do we do? Or not period, but question mark. What do we do knowing that this is who God is? We, uh... (laughs) What is the solution? We hopelessly and helplessly... Uh, cling to Christ and repent of our sins and turn to Him in faith as the Lord of our life. Right. Maybe we maybe we naturally think this way. Maybe we don't. But the work of Christ on the cross is a work of God's divine justice. Uh, what Jesus does on the cross is He satisfies God's justice towards all those who believe. And so we can say it this way. God's God's judgment and justice is certain. God's justice and judgment is uh, inflexible. Every sin that is ever committed will be punished in one way or another. Either we will suffer the just wrath of God for eternity, which every sinner deserves because we've sinned against an eternal, righteous, and holy God, Uh, We deserve a punishment that is fitting, that is eternal, righteous, and holy. So either we will suffer the wrath of God due our sin personally, or, as is the case with those who believe in Christ, Christ suffered the wrath we deserve in His body and attributed that to our account. Yes. um, In one way, we're really, like you said, in only one of two ways, Will God's justice be satisfied? It'll either be satisfied in hell or it'll be satisfied in Christ. Exactly. And in that way, mercy doesn't override and overwhelm God's justice. It informs it. But justice is actually meted out. We receive God's mercy because of God's justice. And we receive God's grace on account of the fact that the justice of God was poured out on another. It was poured out on Christ. Jesus fully obeyed God's law, so he's this righteous representative, but he also suffered the full penalty of the law that you and I and every believer throughout history deserved. And so you can almost think of it the way Jerry Bridges brings it out this way. In the same way that Adam was our representative in the garden, um, so Christ is now our representative on the cross. Uh, Adam attributed to us the full weight of guilt and shame before God, but Christ took that guilt and shame and received the due penalty, the justice of God that we deserve so that we can be free. The Bible says this in Isaiah 53, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. So that's the way we need to learn to see justice being played out in our lives as believers is that justice was poured out on Christ for us. Mm-hmm. Now that has some implications to it. What, what, does that, what does that mean now? If God's justice towards me is satisfied, then how do I, what do I do with that? How do I understand that? And how do I live in light of that? Those are some of the difficult questions that Jerry really wants mm-hmm. us to get at in this chapter. Um, any thoughts on that as you were reading through this? 
Well, um, one thing I kept coming back to in my mind was um, really a couple passages. The first was, of course, Romans 8, 1. Yeah. It says there's no longer any condemnation whatsoever for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's not just some feeling or anything. That is a very much a spiritual reality. Yeah. However, that spiritual reality so often gets lost in our day-to-day lives where sin is, st- sin is equally or practically a, a very real um, thing there as well. And sin, of course, robs us of our assurance. It kind of robs us of our steadfastness, and it honestly continually throws us where um, Jerry went, um, as you mentioned not too long ago, where he was at in his morning devotions, and his sin was particularly weighing down on him hard in, in that particular day. And he said, God, you would be perfectly just in sending me to hell. And I think we're all being honest as believers. We all feel that way to a certain extent. But again, at the same time, and so we go to First John, where we realize that though sometimes our conscience may condemn us, God is greater mm-hmm. than our conscience. And it goes back to the fact that, as you um, just laid out for us, and as Jerry's laid out for us in this book, that God's justice is satisfied. Right. So that Jerry does come to that next thought uh, <laughs> right after he thinks that, where he says, no, you wouldn't have been right to send me straight to hell. Because Jesus satisfied, I mean, truly accomplished as a once-for-all event, his justice for us. Yeah. And and there are times where we just don't feel like we deserve that. And, and we're absolutely right to feel that. We don't deserve <laughs> that. Otherwise, it wouldn't be grace. Yeah. Um, there are some times where we feel more the weight of not deserving it because of our sin. And yet that doesn't nullify the price that was paid. He, he gives this illustration of... An individual. This is part of what we understand to be uh, the rule of law and the way in which justice is uh, is meted out in our culture. You know, if, if an individual, you know, they, they commit a crime and for that crime they get the max penalty. The max penalty that is uh, set as the standard in our judicial system. Let's say they go to prison for ten years. Well, once they've paid the price for that, they're no longer they're no longer held accountable for that crime. It's done. It's done. They've paid their debt to society. They've, they've paid the price. And the reality is that man can walk out of prison or that woman can walk out of prison after, after the sentence is carried out and they can walk out of prison free of the, you know, the past, uh, free of incarceration. Well, we're the same way as Christians. Because Jesus fully paid the price, right? We sing the song, Jesus paid it all. He, he did. He absolutely paid it all. And so the guilty feelings or the shameful feelings that we feel quite regularly for many of us uh, as Christians when we fail or when we're not doing exactly what we might think, we haven't matured the way we might want to have matured at this stage of our Christian life, and we start to feel guilty and we start to feel shameful, um, we need to remember that God's justice was satisfied. And I think that, that has an effect upon our hearts. Not just to comfort us and say, oh, I'm good. I don't have to worry about anything. But Jesus paid it all. Therefore, all to him I owe. My life is now his. And I can live in the freedom that he's purchased for me. And I can live in such a way that I bring him honor and glory. And you know, I can repent of this sin. I can seek to grow. Um, but we, can't, we don't live under the shame and the condemnation any longer. Because there is no condemnation. The price has been paid. So Jerry Bridges... He rounds out this chapter by, by just helping us understand more completely how the death of Christ 
applies to us. He says this, The death of Jesus was a complete and full satisfaction of divine justice for all who trust in him. At the cross, there is no tension between justice and mercy. Instead, they meet in full harmony. Justice suffers no violence, and mercy has full expression. In fact, not only has justice suffered no violence, it has been honored and magnified. Mm -hmm. It has exacted its penalty and been completely satisfied, and therefore, as believers, we can rejoice in the abundant mercy of God through Christ, while at the same time fully honoring the inviolate nature of His holy justice. And that's a powerful, powerful um, thought powerful idea and one that we simply need to grasp and learn to live in and walk in. Mm-hmm. So let's ask some final questions and then we'll close down this session. So Jerry asked some questions at the end of this book about how will understanding this affect our lives and the way we deal with certain things, like, like these three things. How will knowing that Christ has satisfied God's justice on our behalf affect the way we deal with an experience of suffering? Uh, How will it help us deal with ourselves when we sin? And how will it help us deal with an experience when someone else sins against you? Do you have any thoughts on that particular question? How does knowing about God's justice satisfied help us deal with suffering, sin, and someone sinning against us? Well, I think, particularly in our experience of suffering, um, we shouldn't immediately go to thinking, oh, God is punishing me for my sin. Because as Jerry has just gone through in this entire chapter showing that, no, God has already punished Christ for your sin. Right. Um, and I think it ought to, you know, eliminating that path to go down to, it ought to remind us of the goodness of God and particularly how that is expressed in the fact that we are now children in his family. Right. And there is a sense where God may very well be dealing with you with your sin or particularly your sinfulness, as he is continually conforming you in Christ's image and sanctification, um, which sometimes takes the means of discipline. But I think with that, as well as all other aspects of our life, we need to go back to Romans 8 and realize that it falls, even discipline falls under the category of God being good to those who love him who he has redeemed. Yeah, it's not punitive. It's yes. familial. He's a father mm-hmm. lovingly disciplining his children. And we read that throughout the scriptures. We see that on display in the Old Testament with Israel and God's patience. Even his discipline upon them sometimes was harsh. But it wasn't punitive. It wasn't, um, it wasn't a judgment in the same way that the judgment is going to fall on the unbelievers at the end of time. So, yeah, we, we, we might have a tendency to rush to that mm-hmm. when there's something going on in our lives. We're trying to assess what's happening. Why is, why is this bad thing happening? Why is suffering taking place? Well, if you're a believer in Christ, God is not necessarily punishing you for your sin. It's not that you're not saved. It may be that you're walking in disobedience and God is disciplining you to bring you back in repentance to Him. Um, It it may be the result of just the brokenness of the world, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. It may not have anything directly to do with your sin, but but I think the tendency we have is to rush to think, oh, well, something's wrong with me. And it might be, but it might not be that you're not a believer (laughs) in Christ. Well, what about the other one? What about... um, So we've talked about sin. We've talked a little bit about how this affects suffering. How does this affect... 
uh, how we relate to people who sin against us. Let's say within the church first. How, how does this affect us? How do we deal with people who sin against us? I think, first of all, it's, or at least it should, cause us to remember the, remember the mercy that God showed us when we were wayward, wicked, sinful. <laughs> I mean, honestly desiring nothing to do with Him except to replace Him um, in rebellion against Him. And also remember the mercy that he still showed to us even when we were walking and just that outright hatred of him and his, uh, who he is. Yeah. And I know some, just probably some of the more technical aspects of that, whether in regard to you know fellow church members or not, um, even if we have been sinned against, you know, and we still feel that outcry in our hearts for justice to be satisfied, um, I think the very least, it's it's going to cause us to, to take a step back for a moment before just totally pounding the table over sentencing sure. this person to whatever we think they deserve. Yeah, and let's not, we're not whitewashing this issue to say that when someone sins against us, or maybe we're the perpetrators, maybe we're the one who sinned against another brother or sister, we're not saying that that, that didn't happen, and we're not saying that, that there aren't certain consequences to that, and we're right. not saying that it doesn't hurt what we're saying is that our uh, the justice that God has shown us or the mercy that God has shown us through Christ and the forgiveness that he's extended to us and the patience that he has with us should inform how we address that situation, how we respond to that situation. Um, and I think about you know just this past week preaching on um, Jesus teaching us to pray for forgiveness. Mm-hmm that the Father would forgive us our trespasses, but that we would also forgive those who trespass against us. And then at the end of that section, he ties our forgiveness of others in with the forgiveness that God is going to give to us. And the idea is that if if we are unwilling to forgive others, that in some way there's a short circuit in our hearts and in our minds of really understanding the forgiveness that God has extended to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if we have truly been forgiven by Christ all of our sin and we understand the weight of that and the price that was paid for it and we see justice having been poured out for our freedom, then that's got to inform the way we respond to other people. It has to have some impact there. Uh, I mean, Jesus said it this way. He said that that we're supposed to forgive, what was it, 70 times 7. There's this, this endless willingness to forgive. And I, and I believe what he's trying to help us understand there is that in God, in the Father, there is this endless willingness to forgive. It, it goes to, to the degree that he's willing to put the Son on the cross, and the Son is willing to go there to pay that price. So the hurt is real. The, the, the wrong that's been done to us is certainly real, but how we respond to it should be in some way informed by the reality of the gospel. Uh, and the forgiveness that we've been extended because of what Christ has done. Anything else you want to add? Honestly, I think that's about it. That's about it. We have <laughs> we have exhausted the subject of God's justice and mercy, not even close. Paul says yeah. at the end of Romans chapter 11, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable His judgments, how inscrutable His ways. We've just scratched the surface of this, but I hope it's been helpful to you guys. If you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley. 
You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Cody, thanks for joining me again. Pleasure as always. All right, we'll, we'll talk to you next time.